0: Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we begin a new series addressing the controversial subject of mental health and mental illness. It's our hope that we as Christians will be able to offer a spiritual insight into the brokenness of our world and society and the brokenness because of the fall that permeates both our physical beings, which we see, and the immaterial part of our humanity that goes so often unaddressed. Thanks for joining us today as we introduce the subject and set some foundations for our journey moving forward in our effort to navigate the soul. Well, it was uh, many years ago, but uh, my son and I finding a time of, uh, of uh, fraternal and sunship enjoyment turn on the tv and there was a particular show that we both liked called battle bots has anyone ever seen the show battle bots this is a this is fantastic so if you haven't I'll break it down real quick battle bots are where two teams of engineers build these little robots and they put them in a, in an arena to see which one will be victorious which one will destroy the other one and a lot of times there's sparks and flames and it's very exciting However, one of the common themes that you'll notice almost in every single bout is that it only takes a little glitch. It only takes a little bit of a break, and the entirety of the mechanism is done. It's done. And these BattleBots are highly engineered. They have electrical systems and pneumatic systems and mechanical systems and hydraulic systems... And kinetic systems, there's a lot of complexity that's involved in them. But if you can just break down one of those systems, well, you know what? You can almost stop it right in its tracks. And then you know what happens after this? It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture. After that poor little battle bot is all scarred and tattered and can't make its way anymore to fight. You know what happens? The, the, de- the designers, the engineers, they come back and they repair it. And they build it back up again so it can do what they made it to do. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but you live in an arena. You are in an arena. Uh, The bell to fight rung a long time ago. And for many of us, we realize that within this life, there are discouragements that seem to come out of nowhere And too frequently when they hit us, we find that the whole system grinds to a halt. It it has been in the course of many years of ministry that my heart grieves to see the way in which the miraculous design that God has made within the human heart is corrupted by the smallest little things in this world that lead to actions, that lead to decisions, that lead to behaviors and habits that cripple the individual and that can destroy entire families. It grieves my heart to see this. And what, what I'm wanting to do over the next couple of weeks is I, I'd like us as a church To address something that goes very often unspoken within the body of Christ. And it's addressing the part of God's design that you don't see. Now let me ask you the question. Can you walk through these doors on a Sunday morning and put a smile on your face? Can anybody do that yet? Have you ever lied about that? Has there ever been a fake smile? Remember, you're in church this morning, right? Uh, Maybe uh, There there is a part of your being that God has miraculously, wonderfully, astoundingly created that no one ever sees. It is the immaterial component that we call the heart, that we call the mind, the will, the emotions. It is your personality. It is the way in which you try to juggle and handle those stresses in our life. And there's a particular word that that the Old Testament uses. That I would like for us to adopt together as we look at this theme of mental health. And it's the word soul. You see, God has provided a way for us to make our way through the arena. Not just being bludgeoned by the enemy, but actually becoming victorious. In in our introduction this morning on this theme of navigating the soul, what I'd like to do is cover some um, preliminary concepts that will help us as we move forward over the next couple of weeks. So, this morning is a bit of an introduction, and I'm going to use a few uh, examples and pictures so that we collectively are able to kind of wrap our head around the miraculous design and complexity of the human creature. Because from that, we will be able to discern how best to navigate through the storms and the hurricanes, the earthquakes, and those unforeseen difficulties that all of us face. We, we, we want to make it so that we don't have to put on a fake smile. Amen? Amen? We, we, we want to make it so that we can actually live in the joy that has been offered to us, those blessings that are sealed for you in eternity where Christ is seated. In order to do that, I think what we need to do is take an honest and a biblical approach to the mind, to the heart, and for this theme, what I'm going to refer to as the soul. Our primary text is going to be for this morning, again, as an introductory matter, out of Psalm 23. Now, it's, you, can, you don't have to turn there just now. We're going to get to it in, in a moment. Uh, but it's a psalm you're familiar with. And um, my hope is that as we have a chance to look into God's word, the thing that we will find is a way to make sense of this complexity within God's design for the human creature. One verse to begin with that I have for you up here on the screen is Matthew 22. Um, the, the religious leaders come to Jesus And uh, they ask him the question, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus' answer is, you know this, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus doesn't invent this. Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament, from the book of Deuteronomy. I want to simply point out to you the three spheres that Jesus answers by quoting God's law, are all immaterial. Do you notice that? The heart, the soul, and the mind. There is a complexity that's invisible. But let me take a moment just to recognize that the physical part of you is miraculous as well. I mean, to the very cells that make up your body have such intricate design They're like a city inside of a cell, inside of a microscope. So physically, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Amen. I want you to know that the invisible part of you has even a greater complexity. That which we can see in a laboratory is astounding. Uh, What I want us to come away with this morning is that that which we cannot see is even more complex and miraculous for how God has created the human creature. We're going to come back to this verse here in a moment. As we begin, I have uh, your sermon notes this morning. have got a lot of information in them. Um, uh, I forget. I think it was Lois this morning. As we walked in and she opened the bulletin, she said, oh, it's going to be a long sermon this morning. (laughs) She said we're going to be here till noon, but well, we'll, we'll try not to. Um, I, I, I want to move a little quickly through some of these things. But remember, this being a new series, I want to give us a solid foundation for an introduction. So to begin with, let's address some of the problems when it comes to mental health and the church. The first is this. Individuals and families who struggle with mental health are far less likely to be active in church. This is statistically proven, factual, and accurate. In fact, LifeWay Research did a study, quote, Americans who never attend services are least likely to agree that churches welcome those with mental illness. And those who attend weekly see churches as welcoming. How would you grade our church on this? Are we a welcoming body to somebody if they're struggling in their heart and in their soul? Well, that's true. Do you know why you think that? According to LifeWay research, it's because you're here. It's because you see that that's what we're all about. There's a phrase that's used many times within the body of mental health. It's called psychotherapy. Has anyone heard that before, psychotherapy? Now... I think our culture has uh, formed a particular interpretation of the word psycho, <laughs> right? So as soon as you hear that on, at the beginning, whether that's psychiatry or psychotherapy or psychiatrist, anytime we hear that at the beginning, we kind of think, mm-mm, mm-mm, not me, somebody else, not me. Uh, that word is a Greek word. It's pronounced in Greek, suke, And do you know what that word is interpreted? In your, it's in your Bibles. Suke means soul. That's the word. And therapy is another Greek word. It's therapia. Do you know what therapia means? Healing. So psychotherapy means soul healing. Uh, Raise your hand really high if you don't need soul healing. Okay. Okay. Then good. This, this This is exactly what the church is for. In fact, it is the community itself that God has designed to help one another process through the difficulties of life. And so psychotherapy, soul healing is exactly what every single week we seek to achieve by meeting with one another and meeting collectively with our Lord. But if you don't come, you will Think that this is not a welcoming place. And the more that you think this is not a welcoming place, the less likely you are to come. We all need it. We all need it. Amen? Give me an amen. Amen. We all need it. That's the first problem. Second problem is that mental health and mental illnesses are often stigmatized and they lack ministry modeling. Um, there is a new type of problem in our world. It's a fragmentation of the home that began with um, uh, uh, no-fault divorce uh, early in the tw- or later in the 20th century, from societal pressures to the speed of life to the um, onset of the demand of entertainment in our lives. I'm telling you, folks, you are in an arena. You are being bludgeoned without even realizing it. Because there is a new onset of problems that this generation, your generation, my generation faces today, that they've never seen before. But I don't want you to think that this is only a new problem. This is an old problem as well. In fact, if you go back a century, you will find that mental health did not find itself as a problem in the pace of life or Facebook or social media. They didn't have those at that point, but you know what they did have? They had isolation They had neglect, they had abandonment, they had worry. Do we still have those today? Yeah, we still got those and new ones. So this is not a situation where mental health and, and mental illness are something that are somebody else's issue. All of us are in this arena. All of us face it. And the problem is the church for too long has lacked a modeling for how to handle this. Uh, you, you'll have tough guys say, I don't I don't need a quack. I don't need to sit on a couch and talk to a psycho. Um, I used to work uh, at the uh, Florence uh, County Road Commission in high school. And I'm telling you, them is some tough guys, right? <laughs> These guys... Uh, Every other word is a cuss word. That's how tough they are. And um, and I remember, you know, uh, how uh, rigid and how gruff. Come on, you guys know these kind of really ma- mainly guys that we're talking about, right? So, th- by the way, them is some of the. They are um, my my speech is all getting goofed up today. Um, they are some of the most insecure people. And you know what I noticed? They love to talk about their problems. These tough guys. Do you know where these tough guys talk about their problems? Around the break room table. Do you know what that's called? That's called therapy. Now, you couldn't convince them that that's therapy, but that's exactly what therapy is. Now, uh, I've been told to give a caveat here. That's the wrong kind of therapy, okay? So in the same way that you will have guys complaining about their wives and the weather and the lions or packers, whoever that may be, um, uh, ladies as well, an error that you could make, not that you couldn't also work at the County Road Commission, um, but gossip is not the right kind of therapy. Um, Comparing yourselves with one another, that's not the right kind of therapy. What I want to simply point out to you is everybody's doing this whether they think they're too tough or whether they realize it's actually something i need everybody everybody needs this in fact if you're here this morning and you say i don't have any mental issues uh that one's called denial so (laughs) so you are you're with us already whether you want to be or not all right lastly here's the third problem societally In our world, we have adopted mental health treatments that have, by and large, excluded both God and man. That as we have approached a way of trying to handle and heal the soul, the world around us has turned to avenues that don't include the designer. If the robot is beat up, understand this, it's not going to be able to fix itself. It needs its maker to come. And to put its hands on and repair that which is broken. But societally, that's not been the answer. And in many cases, instead of dealing with the root of the soul, we have found that in, in cases that there are drugs that you can take that simply affect the symptoms of the mind. And I want to make sure that this is absolutely clear at the onset. I am not against medicine. Medicine. I am, I, and, and if you are in anywhere uh, admitting and having opportunity to speak with a me- medical health uh, professional or a mental health professional, please talk to your doctors. Talk to those who are clinicians and physicians, because there is a place for that. But it is not the first and it is not the root. And that's what I hope for us to be able to look through is to uh, I identify and uncover where do we really need to bring back the right answer where society and the world around us has missed it. Not only have they left out God, but in many cases they, they also leave out the complexity and the design of the human, of mankind. And that's what I want us to look at. Um, in the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Health Disorders, uh, they have categorized 19 different particular diagnoses that are based upon patterns of behavior. So they're listed here before you. uh, You can find this online. Uh, I I want to share with you that this is what the the medical community within mental health would recognize as problems, and that somewhere, everybody fits in there somewhere, uh, but these are the ones to which they would then cause unique And particular forms of treatment. Here's an interesting little characteristic. Do you know that for every single one, every single one, do you know what one of the treatments is? It's talk therapy. Do you know another name for talk therapy? Counseling, listening, having a friend. It's just amazing to me the way in which the devil wants to shame us sometimes from the hidden sin that will cause these types of disorders in our lives. I'm not saying always, but many, many times that's where they come from. And do you know what we in our society are tempted to do with our missteps and failures? Do you know what we do with them? We never talk and we never confess to one another like the scripture asks us to do. And so what I'd like to do for you, instead of overwhelming you with 19, and I do think that there is some merit behind this, I, and again, without being a clinician, I am not a physician. I am not a mental health expert. I am a lowly, broken pastor that you have opportunity to help fix too. I want to offer to you two categories. Two categories uh, for mental illness, mental health, that I am labeling soul strain. Two types of soul strain. The first is called acute, acute mental illness. Acute, not, not cute like a puppy cute, but acute meaning, meaning identifiable. The definition I'm giving for this is that you have a functional inability to fully process your world. There, there are people, there are individuals who, um, and maybe this has been you at one time as well, where you realize I, I am being affected by this. It, it's affecting me. It's affecting my relationships. It's affecting my productivity. It's affecting the way I sleep. That is acute soul strain. It's impacting your life right now in ways that can be manifest through our behavior and our decisions. The second category is accumulative soul strain. And I define this as the accumulation of unprocessed life stressors that result in unhelpful and ungodly coping mechanisms. Here's what I want you to see. Not everybody has this. Not everybody has acute symptoms. Some people do from time to time. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it goes. Sometimes it stays. Um, Autism is is one of these. Sometimes ADHD is one of these that can, can linger, and it stays even though you can get it under control. However, even though not everyone has this, Everybody has this one. And in order to demonstrate that and illustrate that, I, I want to uh, make a point here. I want to see if I could ask uh, Brother Phil if he will join me up here for a moment for an illustration. Oh, is oh. <laughs> Come on, let's keep going, here. No, no worries, not going to hurt me. We're, we're going to have you. Um, we're going to be our soldiers. He's a Lions fan. <laughs> 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 now, let, let me just ask you, just shout out what some of the life stressors are. What would something co- that causes you stress in life be? It no, life. Infl- finances. Yeah, work, death. work death, death, grief, health, health. No,
1: uh, family. <laughs> Thank you. That's
0: right. So here's what I want Phil to do. Phil, you're going to represent all of us at some point. And the metaphor here is gonna be your walking through life. So if you could just kind of give us a little walk through life. And what I have over here are a bunch of different examples of problems. Now, this one's really a bugger, right? Um, which which one do you think this one would represent? This is COVID. COVID, all right, there you go. this is COVID. All right, Phil. Here, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna toss this into his life. Now, did any of you who got COVID, did any of you plan to get COVID? No. Nope. It showed up when it showed up, right? So surprise! Alright, <laughs> <laughs> right. now next I have a, a <laughs> basketball. What, what do we think this one is? What's stress? Money! Was... Money! Alright, Bill. Good, let's keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? No <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna get worse, you know. <laughs> All right. well, what's <sighs> Children. Children! Family. All right, Phil. <laughs> Good, that was <laughs> I got a marble. Money.
1: Oh. Oh. Oh.
0: Money. Money, yeah. So so little shows up sometimes. Oh nice <laughs> job, Phil. <Bill. laughs> got an egg. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I want you to realize is that all the problems in life, sometimes they need to be received differently, right? The, the way you handle a problem of grief is different than how you would handle a financial problem. So here's a unique one, Phil, that's going to take a little bit of extra effort to catch. Hold on, hang it. It's coming. Oh. <laughs> oh, one more, just a water balloon. Oh. feel that I had Emily Hart eggs for me last night. What I want you to see is that every, all of us have those. Amen. All of us have these that hit us from time to time. And what happens to your walk? as you start to hold on to them and they remain unprocessed in your life, you you will find that like those bots that are complex, like the human is complex, it'll be just one of them that will cause the whole thing to fail at its purpose. And this is why we need to understand in terms of categories, it ought not be a stigma in the church that this is a problem for somebody else who's a psycho. Right? No, no. Sometimes this absolutely has behavioral manifestations that need to be dealt with. But all of us, all of us are in the category of receiving the stresses of life and then needing to process through them in a healthy manner so that what we don't do is find unhelpful and ungodly coping mechanisms. I have heard this week from three different people from three different schools in Dickinson County of teenage girls cutting themselves Aww. and it's not one it's not two it's not three it's almost epidemic um, I know of individuals who have been given so many different kinds of uh, psychoactive medicines that the doctors don't know what to prescribe anymore we, we don't know what to do next I know of those situations in life that cause spouses to separate from one another in anger and confusion because of undiagnosed mental and soul strains. They're there. We don't even realize how we are being bludgeoned in the arena. So, so th- this is a critical categorization that I want us to hold on to, that, that there are those who um, need a special kind of care, and then there are all of us who need help navigating the soul through life. Um, there's a few observations that I would like to make for this. You have these blinks in your sermon notes. From where we've been, I want to remind you once more of the greatest commandment from Jesus is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Very good. First one, everybody needs restoration. Everybody needs restored mental health and spiritual healing. Sight. Psycho, Suke is soul. Therapia is healing. All of us need soul healing. Number two, because of human complexity, the answer is never singular. For this, I'm going to ask uh, my choir if they could be helpers for me. So uh, Lois is going to give each of you a. A name tag, and I would like you just to put it right over your head. And CJ, maybe you can help Lois hand those out. Uh, There are seven of them. The complexity of the human creature is so often limited that the society around us finds only one scope to provide healing. But that's not how God designed humans. You, you are far more complex. In the same way that the body itself is made up of diversity, uh, the, the scripture even teaches us this, right? You have an eye and an ear, you have a hand and you have a foot, and it's only when it's all put together in harmony that the body functions the way that it does. Uh, you have the internal organs, right? You need everything working the way that it's supposed to so that the body can work The way that it should. Did we get them all? You guys ready? I'm going to ask if you could all just come stand in a circle. Would you please just right here? Stand in a stand in a circle. So uh, a few people on top, maybe one on this side on the steps and then just down there in the middle. Um, On each of them, you will see a sign because not only does the physical body have complexity, but the unseen component of your soul also has the same kind of complexity. So uh, physiological is Tom right there. This has to do with the physical part of us. So hunger, pain, sleep, sickness. It affects us, right? Uh, Who has psychological? Angela right here. This has to do with the heart. So worry, fear, expectations that people put on you. Also peace, Music, the way the the two kind of go together there, right? Using your ear to find calming refreshment from music, or how do you handle even trauma in your life? That is the psychological component of your soul. Chemical, who has chemical here? All right, Wendy, you have chemical. This has to do with hormones, drugs, medicine, um, the neurotransmitter drugs in your brain, serotonin and dopamine. Uh, All of those affect that unseen part of who we are. Emotion, who has emotion? All right, Bonnie, for joy and anger and frustration. These aren't physical. They're all unseen parts of the soul. Relational, who has our... All right, thank you, Nikki. Relational. (laughs) This has to do with interpersonal conflict. Has to do with forgiveness. Has to do with how we relate to one another. Families are top of the list. Uh, Marriages right at the top, and all all the family dynamics flow on that unseen, invisible part of our soul. Uh, Mental. Who has mental? Lois. uh, This has to do with memory, uh, distractions, irrationality, self-image. Here's one that I know you could resonate with. I could tell Lois nine compliments. I could make nine positive statements in her life, and then I could say, but you smell. (laughs) (laughs) what what is she going to remember (laughs) that's right that isn't that a quirk of our self-image that that we would forget all of the positives but we would dwell on the one negative or a spiritual cj here representing the spiritual component this has to do with meditation that has to do with evil and sin spiritual forces has to do with the gospel Um, here's what i want us to try to do i am Put together just a little experiment for us to see this because in the same way that the body has this complexity that's physical your soul has a complexity as well and i want us to see if we can visualize this so just hold on to this tight as i hand them out to you Uh, let me go this direction (laughs) now i'll just give you come on down bonnie i'll give you one guest who helped me with this illustration (laughs) last night Emily did. <laughs> this for you. Yeah. And was this, one, this was yours. Okay. okay. So, can everybody see? Michael, you got them on the camera, so folks on Zoom can see as well. All right. This is what. Hold on tight now. I need you to really grip it, really tight. Okay. Don't hold too hard. Just hold with a tight, tight grip. What I want you to see is that every unforeseen or unseen component within our soul. Do you notice what it does? It affects the others. So let's pick on Tom for a moment right now. This this is uh, physiological. Let's say that in Tom's life, work is getting hard and he's not getting the sleep that he should. So Tom, what I'd like you to do, everybody holds tight, very gently, just start to pull away. And let's see what happens. Do you notice how everybody else moves as well? Go ahead, give it, give it a tug now. You'll see that what has happened is that the spiritual starts to be affected by your sleep. Or let's, let's pick on the chemical here with Wendy. Let's say your diet is out of balance. Let's say for whatever it is that those chemicals in your brain are not healthy. All right, Wendy, if you don't mind, give it a little tug. Let's see what else happens here. Notice how the emotional all the way over here with Bonnie is being affected. Now, come on, you guys. Give a tug here. Let's see. Yeah. You see what's happening? I want to see if I can offer us one more metaphor here, and so I need a helper. Let me just see who I can give him a helper. Jim, would you be able to help me for a moment? I'm going to squeeze right behind you here. I'm going to give Jim oh, one more sign here. And I'd like you to stand right in the very middle. <laughs> Now grab hold of them. Grab hold of them all. My point in showing you this is that the answer for the church, and this has to be something that we all agree and understand is God's design, is that Jesus is not just king over the spiritual. It's not just this one component of my life that he holds control that the answer that we're given is that we put Jesus where? Yes. We put him at the center. And then he is the one who now gains sway and control to pull all of these in the right time and in the right order to come into harmony. Is this helpful, to you guys? Yes. All right. Yes. Big round of applause for everybody. Thank you, guys. You can sit down once you get those all set. I'll draw your attention here back to our observation. Number two, because of human complexity, remember the answer, it's never singular. There there isn't just one form of treatment. There isn't just one form of therapy that is going to help. It has to be a coalescing around an authority, around a king who will bring order to that which is the unseen part of our soul. Number three is this. The answer to soul restoration is only King Jesus's holistic rule. Thank you, Jim, for helping me uh, demonstrate that. Um, I don't know if you also noticed this. Each one of those little cords was color coordinated. Yes. Did you notice Jesus was wearing all of them? Right. The, the picture here is that he is king not only over one spiritual invisible aspect of my life, but the entirety of my life. And that is the only place where true soul restoration can be found. Um, very quickly, because I know I'm running out of time. Um, let's look together at Psalm 23. If you could turn in your Bibles, Psalm 23. I'm going to read through it. You have six blanks there in your sermon notes. I'll put them all up on the screen um, so we can see how the psalmist helps us understand this exact characteristic and principle that is affecting both the physical, those things we do see, and the immaterial, invisible part of our soul. Psalm 23. What page is that? Page 787 in the Pew Bibles. Verse 1 David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. forever you've heard that before right I'd like to draw it in the frame through this lens of positive soul restoration and mental health six observations I'll just list them out for you here each one connected to a particular uh, observation we can make from this text if your soul will find restoration it must come from an all-encompassing embrace of number one God's control uh, look with me back into the text. What, is, what does He call the Lord? David calls the Lord his shepherd. Oh in the field. Who's in charge? Shepherd. Shepherd's the boss. Shepherd's in charge. Notice as well all of the um, pronouns used here. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores. He guides. I want, I want to give you a warning. Be very careful how much you cling to the claim of Invictus. I am the captain of my soul. Holy smoke, man. Your boat's going to get lost in the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) Captain of your soul. Imagine the battle bot thinking it was in charge and not listening to the radio control of the designer. Number one, soul restoration must be found in embracing God's control. Number two has to do with identity. Look at me again in verse three. He says, he guides me in paths of righteousness. Why? Do you see it? For his Name's sake. How beautiful is that? God has branded you by the indwelling of His Spirit to call you His. His. So, what this means is what happens to you matters to God. It it matters. And you need to make sure that He is the one who defines my identity. I belong to Him. Not only is my shepherd to control me, but His name is written. On me, because the soul has been restored by the indwelling of the Spirit. Number three, you need to embrace his presence. I love in verse four, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a verse we hear many times uh, with uh, uh, bereavement and grief, notice the response of David says, I won't fear. Uh, de- de- death is no friendly company. Uh, many, many of you know this and yet David says I'm not going to be afraid why because I have embraced the presence of God notice it says in verse 4 I will fear no evil for you are with me now who thinks I could preach on that for another 15 minutes just give me a, give me a little credit here I'm going to we're, we're going to go quickly through this but man that's a good one he is with you number 4 you need to embrace God's promise this one showing up in verse 5 look what he has promised to do he's going to prepare a table before me In the presence of my enemies. You know, God is for you. Not for you in your sin. He doesn't approve of your sin. But he is for you as his designed creature. For his glory. Man, he's cheering for you. Because he knows in that design, you are best suited to function in a way that brings him honor and glory. So it takes an embrace of his promise. He promises to anoint his head with oil so that his cup will overflow. Look with me on number five in verse six. This has to do with purpose. Verse six says, surely goodness and love will follow me. Think about that for a moment. Do you ever go just cruising on one of the lakes in a boat, right? Maybe you have a pontoon boat or a friend with a pontoon boat, right? Get the kids over and just go for a nice little drive on one of these nice days. Well, if you look behind the boat, what do you see? What are those ripples? Yeah. That's that's what the psalmist here realizes. When I embrace all of God's purpose in my life, do you know what I'll find when I look back? Goodness. Do you know what I'll find when I look back? Love. Surely goodness and love will be in the wake of the trajectory of my life because God has a purpose for me. That involves goodness. That involves love. And then lastly, God's security. This one is huge. This one connects a little bit to the children's message that we heard this morning as well. Paul, should we put our hope in money? Yes or no? No. Question, church. Do people put their hope in money? And a lot of other things. Notice the text tells tells us here, "I, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Boy, that value of the shadow of death, it, it, was, it was rough. But there's a confidence knowing God's presence with David means I am secure in God. Do you see the complexity? Do you see on every sphere of life, the answer is an all-encompassing of putting King Jesus at the center? So what do we do with this? I'm going to wrap it up here. How can you and I go with this challenge for how to address the navigation of the soul... So that we can best honor and glorify God. The first has to do with the question, how do I navigate the soul? I want to give you three ways. Three ways that you, like a a ship out on the water, can make your way and avoid those hurricanes and storms and tornadoes. Number one, um, you don't navigate your soul. Wasn't that (laughs) mind-blowing? You don't do it. God does. Let me draw your attention back to the text one more time, verse 2 and 3. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside. He restores my soul. He guides me. Um, any, any of you uh, men or women ever try to, try to drive somewhere and get lost? And we're so stubborn, you're like, I ain't asking for directions. I'm going to get there. No honest Christians in churches. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that with your soul. Don't do that with your soul. You can't. You can't handle it. There, there, there is a brokenness because of the curse on our lives by which you must relinquish the steering wheel or, or the, the ship wheel, whatever metaphor you want. You must relinquish. What, what, Carrie Underwood, what's the song I'm thinking of? Is it Carrie Underwood? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Jesus, take the wheel. You can't navigate it, but he can. And you will find that this requires an attunement to the shepherd. Jesus says this in John chapter 10. He says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they what? They follow me. So uh, number one, uh, you, you don't navigate the soul. God does. Uh, number two, um, you need to bring God with you even when you make a wrong turn. Uh, let, let's just get a little confessional this morning. <clears throat> Raise your hand if you've ever made a wrong turn in life. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm hoping I see all the hands go up. It's good that you do. It's good that there is that physical recognition. Yeah, I'm, I make a mistake. It's too often our answer to turn away from God in shame when you make a wrong turn. That's not what you're supposed to do. You need to carry God with you even when you make a mistake. In fact, that's what David did. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Let me ask the question. How in the world did he get in the valley of the shadow of death? David, don't you know the right way to go? Yeah, I, I'm going to get there my way. Right? And lo and behold, he finds himself where? Whoops. I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. And yet, look at his response. I'm not going to fear, though, even though I made a mistake. Even though I made a mistake, even though I rebelled and didn't listen and follow like I should have, my shepherd was calling me here and I went there, yet I will fear no evil for you are with me. And this is a beautiful metaphor that he gives with the the shepherd's tools, your rod and your staff. Do you see that in the Bible? Do you know what those are if you're in agriculture as a shepherd? Do you know what they do? The staff was used, it's a shepherd's crook. You would use it to help direct the sheep. You would grab them and you'd help move them away from the cliff edge. You'd move them over to the pasture they should belong to. And the rod, do you know what the shepherd used the rod for? Here comes the wolf. (laughs) What? Pow! That, That was used for protection. And not on a single occasion might it also be used as a quick tap on the rear end of a sheep. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for those times where the Spirit of God helped correct me. And you and I need to remember that even when we make a wrong turn, we need to bring God along with us. This from Psalm 139, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. It doesn't matter where I go, the right direction or the wrong direction. I need to remember to take God with me and then be the captain to help me correct that I would hear his voice and follow. Thirdly and lastly is this, you need to meet God in this moment. Verse five and six are talking about the present expectation. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. This amazing passage from Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, about your body what you will wear is not... The life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Do you know what this is? This is trying to race into the future to solve your problems for the present. And God says, just meet me here. Just be here with me now. I gotta confess to you, church, this is a big one for me. This is the one I struggle with. Because I keep wanting to solve the problems of the future. You've got to pay for the church. Oh, man. What? We're going to have to find negotiator? Oh, man. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And do you know what I'm trying to do in those moments? I'm trying to answer the question of what? The future. And I instead need to meet with God right now. Do you remember the prayer? We prayed it already. Give us this day our... Future bread. Is that, was that what it was? It was daily. It's right here, right now. Um, as, as, as I've listed these on the screen, I've listed them as conclusions, that these are all true. You don't navigate the soul, God does. Bring God with you even when you make a wrong turn. And then meet God in the present, not in the future. Be with him today, for he has a plan for you today. But applicationally, I want to offer to you... Some themes by which you can apply these in your life. The first has to do with relationships. Um, I was talking with Emily this week as we were as we were as well just brainstorming over mental health and soul care, navigating the soul. And one of the key convictions that she shared is, you, we just need each other. We just need one another. You need a friend. And so, applicationally, for you to find soul healing. It's not going to do you any good to separate. You need to find a friend, a trusted somebody that you can hold to. And that's what the community is all about. That's why we fellowship after our service together. That's what it means to belong to a family. So this means applicationally, it's relational. Secondly, it has to be holistic in your life. Remember all the different spheres of complexity within the human soul? One answer will not be sufficient. Whatever answer it needs to be has to be all-encompassing. Emily said, "For people who are depressed, they need to eat more cheese." <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Now do you see where she's going with that? She, she, she's realizing that, you know what? This, this life is good. There's goodness to be expressed in this life, and sometimes we take the pressures of our world to press upon us, and we forget that taking a nap is awesome. And you might just need to take a nap or eat, or eat some chocolate. Or, or maybe you need to forgive. You know, may, maybe that's the thing in your life. But whatever it is, applicationally, if you're going to find soul healing, it's not going to be just one thing. It has to be holistic. And that's why no matter where you go, we need to make sure that we're bringing the Lord along with us. Lastly is it needs to become habitual. Habits are designed in the present. And there's no version of finding your way Through the arena of life, with all of the bludgeoning that's happening, there's no way that you're going to be able to do that by just thinking about the future. It has to be a present day change that is made in your life. Not just the one thing, but many things by putting Jesus as king at the center of your life. I think one of the greatest weapons that that, that the devil uses against us is to take our eyes off of the now. And David says, you prepare a table for me. Uh, When I was talking to Emily about this, she said it was um, being thankful, being thankful. Do you have anything today that you can be thankful for, that you can bring God into this moment, and that you can begin to develop a pattern of healthy thinking by making King Jesus the center of your life? And if we can commit to that here at Grace over the next couple of Sundays, it's my hope that we begin to change the pattern of how people look at church when it comes to needing soul healing. And that we say, hey, that's why I'm here. That's why I came. Because I need the encouragement of the community as well. Let's extend that to our neighbors. Amen? Can we pray together this morning?